Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome to the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, I'm going to lay out the plan for today before we jump into the show. Uh, so, since we last talked, uh, the Pac-12 decided to cancel its non-conference games for fall sports. Uh, football, volleyball, soccer. Uh, you, you know, cross-country doesn't really have like a conference and non-conference split, so they're still working through that schedule and will get us out there, but uh, that's kind of where they're at right now, and uh, I heard some whispers that that was going to be coming, and uh, we talked a little bit about that on Friday before the decision was announced on Friday. Uh, today, we had a chance to hear from Rick George, which was great. Uh, uh, he explained everything very thoroughly, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about uh, what he had to say. Um it is kind of tough, obviously. You know, that means no Rocky Mountain Showdown, which is really disappointing. Uh, that game against Texas A&M, I know, was an important one to a lot of people involved with the team, um, especially a lot of players on the team who are from Texas, and that was a chance to go back home and play in front of, uh, you know, a, a lot of friends and a, a lot of family, and uh, that game is now canceled. So uh, we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, it's getting kind of late on Monday. Uh, I know that there have been some troubles at some points with the Zoom audio, um, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get an audio recording of uh, today's call, but because it is so late, unless something surprises us and uh, we get that soon, um, I'm just going to publish that audio in a separate podcast when it does come through. Um, so... There won't be audio likely at the end of this podcast of the call, but uh, check your feeds tomorrow, and uh, we we should be able to get that figured out. I'm working on it. Um, so before we get into all of that stuff, uh, I want to tell you more about Manscaped. Manscaped is an incredible partner of ours at DNVR. Um, they they make so many things possible. And uh, uh, when I say that, I mostly mean through work um, be- because they sponsor podcasts and they do that kind of stuff. And they are our presenting sponsor, um, which is so important to the way this podcast works. And that's one of the many reasons we hope that you guys uh, at least check out their website and see if there's anything that uh, could could help you out. But they also do some other great things for us, like keep us all in tip-top condition below the belt. And that's something that can be easy for some guys to neglect and Manscaped again just makes it so easy 
to take care of yourself the way you deserve to be taken care of. Uh, if you want to check out their products, you can go to manscaped.com. We highly recommend the uh, Perfect Package 3.0. Uh, that, that includes the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the crop preserver, the crop reviver, some body wash, a pair of like super breathable boxer briefs, a t-shirt. Um, and, and it's very discounted because you're buying the bundle. Plus, if you use the code DMVR20, you can get 20% off your purchase from Manscaped um, as well as free shipping. So check that website out. See if there's anything that uh, catches your eye. And hopefully there is because I think you'll be pretty happy that you made the decision if you do buy it um okay so jumping in uh today well well might as well start here uh so friday rk and i came out to montana uh we've been playing a bunch of golf and stuff um and, and we flew in through missoula and i live like a couple hours north of there so we drove up um and today he flew back and i'm here for another week still um but i had to drive him down to missoula so, um, we got to about the National Bison Range um, by 2.30 when the call was, and so we figured we might as well just pull over there because there's like a dead spot for cell service ahead, and so we just sat there. We watched a herd of buffaloes. Um, I posted a terrible picture. Well, I mean, it's not a terrible picture. I posted a picture of like the sign with like three buffaloes in the background. I have like a video of like, I mean, the hundreds of buffaloes. I've never seen anything like it. They're so big and so cool. Um, but it was kind of nice just <laughs> sitting there and watching the buffaloes and talking to Rick George. Um, it felt like it just was the way the world was supposed to be. Um, but there are a lot of things that aren't the way they're supposed to be in the world. And one of them, like I mentioned, is that there won't be uh, non-conference games for the Pac-12, and it's not a surprise. Uh, we we saw a couple of conferences, the the Big Ten, the ACC, or, no, Big 12, sorry. Oh, now I'm screwing it up. Oh, I've been in that car all day. But uh, but yeah, yeah, Um, th- that, that was happening Thursday. The, we knew that the meeting was coming Friday, and uh, they, they made the same call, and there are a lot of reasons for that call, and that's kind of what I was curious about was why why now? Why was last Friday the time to say, you know what, we just can't do it as compared to, you know, whenever they talked before, whether it was Wednesday, whether it was the week before that, you know, what, what made last Friday kind of like the, the point where we had crossed that line where non-conference games were viable? And... The answer was pretty simple. I mean, you, you see the rising cases. You see that this isn't going away uh, by the numbers. If anything, it's it's still growing. Um, we we aren't on this downswing yet, um, as much as it might feel like we're due for it. Um, that combined with the just just how close we are to football season. Um, was why Rick George said that that was the time to do it because they need to be able to make plans and the student athletes need to know what to expect and they they feel like the door just kind of closed there but there's still plenty of room for flexibility and part of the reason there is that room for flexibility is because they're making this call now instead of waiting another week or another two weeks because there are some things on the table uh, stuff like uh, stretching the season 
um, because you, you have your nine conference games, stretching that so that there are a few more bye weeks in the season where you can make up games that could potentially be missed because some teams are unable to play. Um, you could do that. I, th- I think Oregon is due to play uh, Colorado in the season opener uh, now that there are no non-conference games on September 26th. Uh, you could definitely see that game being moved up to the beginning of September so that you have a little more leeway at, at various points in the season in case some games need to be rescheduled. Um, I, I'd also think that it's very possible that the Pac-12 plays um, every team in the conference this year. And this isn't something that uh, Rick talked about, I don't believe. Um, but, but I do think that that is on the table because you now have those extra weeks. Um, the reason that, or one of the important reasons that they decided against the non-conference games was because it's just really hard to organize a set of rules to be implemented across Um, various conferences and so within the Pac-12 you can have all the athletic directors talking with Larry Scott every every day almost a couple times a week a few times a week at the very least and coming up with the best way to do it whether that's testing every week or or testing uh, the day before every game or, or, or however you want to do that what are the policies for quarantining you know uh if somebody gets it is everybody he came in contact with out? Is is there a number of cases that you have that means that you just can't play? You know, some people throw numbers around. Like, if you're without 25% of your scholarship players because they have to quarantine because either they, they caught the uh, coronavirus or they came into contact with somebody who caught it, then maybe you have to sit that game out. Um, the, the, the whole team does and you forfeit it or you reschedule it to one of these open weeks that could be created by uh, kind of stretching this schedule into the early parts of September and start of it in late September and it's just so hard to enforce all these policies because they want to play football and they think that they can come up with a way to make that work and and they've been talking about all of the protocols already you know this is these are the same conversations that they've been having since this started in march um that's when they started planning for okay well what happens if there's no season what happens if there's a season with no fans what happens if we can't play the non-conference games and then they've come up with different ways to approach things but if the Pac-12 decides, you know what, 25% our number. If you have that many, you just sit this game out. Um, but say, you know, because Colorado is playing Colorado State that first week of the season, what if the Mountain West doesn't have that rule? Uh, what if the Mountain West doesn't have such strict testing? Um, they say instead of testing every day, we're going to do temperature checks every day. Um and, you know, and there, that's not saying that the Pac-12 will decide on doing the testing every day, but that's that's on the table. There are so many things that are on the table, and they're still trying to work it out, but it's just so hard to work that out when you're playing against other schools that may not be handling things as well as the Pac-12 does. It's just so much easier to come up with your own set of rules and force them within yourself and... 
you know, just move on from there. Work together. Find this way. Um, because they're just... Otherwise, every school is reaching out to the other schools and saying, hey, Pac-12 policy says we can't play you guys um, unless you adhere to these protocols because it is dangerous. So uh, I get a, a lot of the complaints. You know, why are you willing to fly this team down to Arizona to play a school down there where there is an outbreak, but you aren't willing to let them drive up to Fort Collins and play a game where they're, I don't know that for or the, that CSU's had any positive tests. I think last time I talked to Justin, he said they hadn't, um, and that's valid. I mean, that is a very valid complaint, um, you know. And it, it kind of reminds me of stuff like the the NFL isn't allowing jersey swaps, which seems pretty trivial when you consider that everybody's tackling each other and breathing on each other and all that kind of stuff. But the point is. Jersey swaps aren't essential, and by giving somebody that piece of clothing, if you have it, then there's a chance that they catch it. And it's a pretty slim chance, especially compared to what happens during a football game. But the point is that you take out as much risk as you can practically, and you have to find your spots. You can't take tackling out of football. That's not an option. Um, and, and so the, you have to look at other options to make it safer and you just go through every single part of the game day experience, um, the, the in week, um, practice, just, just every moment you can and try to pull out every dangerous part that isn't essential to what you're actually doing. And when you're trying to determine a winner of the pack 12, which is what they're talking about, sometimes you do have to make the tough decision. I mean, not sometimes only this one time ever when this pandemic is happening uh, do you have to make that decision to cancel the non-conference games and it, it doesn't create a bubble and and that ultimately could be the downfall of college sports in 2020 uh, that, that you can't create a bubble with with student athletes on a college campus um, because they just have to interact with so many different people and they are so exposed um, but you try to get as close as you can to a bubble and you're cutting out those outside teams. That way you only have to worry about what's going inside. And there is, I'm sure a way to make the non-conference thing work, but you have to remember that the, the athletic directors, this isn't all just theoretical, you know, this, this isn't just, huh, we could put this, but you have to actually go out there and make all of these things happen. You need to hire people who are testing. You need to be doing all of these different things. It isn't just saying like, okay, we're going to test every day. That's going to cost this much. That just automatically goes. You have to have people who are in there managing that. And it's really hard to figure out how to put on a, a college football season with what? A, a little over a month until kickoff. Um, is that right? No. Yes. What's today? July 13th. So, I mean, no, it's, it's like, it's like two months. Uh, but, but still there is just so much planning that goes into it. And, and you hear them talk about all that. You know, Rick George was talking today about, uh, how they're changing the ticketing. There are no paper tickets. Um, this is at least my understanding. It's going to be mobile tickets. Um, and, 
you know, there are just so many pieces that go along with that decision. It isn't just saying, oh, mobile tickets, there we go. You got to build the app. Uh, you need to figure out how they, you can get people to share the tickets with each other. And then after that, like Rick George said, you have to start educating people. You need to make videos explaining how it works, how the app works, why they're doing this so that people don't get upset. Um, you have to pu push that on Twitter. You have to email that to people who buy tickets. You need to explain all these things. And then there's going to be the same thing with concessions. And he said, you know, this is stuff that we've never seen before. And they have to figure out a way to keep people healthy while serving them food. That seems really easy, but it's just not something that they've ever had to do. It, and again, it, it's not like it's impossible. It's not like that's something that's insurmountable or, or even something where it's like, oh, there's only an 80% success rate. No, they'll be able to do it, but that means that they need to pay somebody who's on that staff um, to, to spend 20 hours, 30 hours, whatever it is, to, to solve that problem. And that person's probably going to have people who they need to help them. And all of a sudden, when you're two months out from a football season... And let's say you just have 40,000 man hours. Well, there went a couple hundred of them. You know, there went a hundred of them. And all of a sudden, these just start dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And uh, that's what makes it so hard to do. Uh, then there's like the people have to reach out and again, explain the concessions, explain how it works, tell people to come prepared. They need to figure out how to open gates so that they aren't packed. Um, they need to figure out, you know, for concessions, are you bringing it to their seats? Are you saying, hey, the same app with the tickets, we're going to need you to order your food from there because you're socially distanced. We can have people bring the food to you instead of you going to to get your food. You know, there's just so many different ways and coming up with a plan is the easy part. Implementing everything is very, very, very difficult. And if it doesn't go right, then you're just screwed. I mean, re remember... Last year when the Avalanche were playing in that stadium series game against Air Force and or not against Air Force, but at the Air Force Stadium and nobody could get out. And p there were people saying they didn't like they got there thinking they were going to be able to see warm ups and they didn't actually get into the stadium until the second intermission. You know, they missed the first two periods with those expensive tickets because that part was just so poorly run. They ran out of beer quickly and people were upset about that. There were so many problems and it made people really mad. It's important for CU not to do that, to not alienate their fans. And so when this time comes to say, can we find a way to safely play non-conference games to keep our student athletes safe? Um, that's just something that had to be cut because in the end, I mean, it's not that those are meaningless games. You're not going to be able to tell anybody that the Rocky Mountain Showdown is meaningless. You know, Buffs fans can say, yeah, they're little brother. It's a bad game. And, it, you know, it might be a bad game for them to schedule. That part very much could be true. But that also puts Colorado in that position of power where it's like, oh, yeah, we know we don't get anything for beating you. We can only lose something from losing to you. But guess what? We're still going to play you because we want to show you that we can beat you. And and that's what makes the Rocky Mountain Showdown so fun. And it's sad that we aren't going to get it. But <sighs> there's a reason. And uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, there have been other ideas tossed around like you know, maybe a conference could let its schools play one kind of warm-up game, if you want to call it that, one non-conference game against a smaller opponent, an FCS opponent, a group of five opponent, 
Um, and what that would look like is probably having them come to your campus about a week early, testing them, having them go through your protocol, and then footing the bill for all of that um, because those schools can't afford to do those things or they might not be able to. That's an option. And I'm sure that that's something that they talk through saying, you know what, we can play these non-conference games. We just need to be able to get the schools to agree to it. But those schools have their own protocols they need to go through. And there's probably a way to negotiate all the protocols and make everybody happy. But um, imagine if, you know, you're a Colorado fan and Arizona has Northern Arizona scheduled and they have to compromise because Northern Arizona has whatever policies they have and Arizona has whatever policies they have. And you're Rick George seeing this and saying, hey, we decided what the best way to do this was. We decided that we were going to invest this much money in keeping everybody safe. And now you're going to play this team that for whatever reason, likely because they don't have as much money, that won't be able to invest that much money because you, you just want to. No, you, you have to cut those out. And it, it just sucks. And that's kind of the overwhelming theme for a, a lot of what's going on. Um, in the world right now but it's just where we're at and if if Rick George and the rest of the athletic directors decided that this is what's best you know what can we do but trust them you know we weren't in the meetings we can't go in there and say hey this was the hole in your logic because we weren't there for the hours and hours and hours that they've talked about this not just on Friday but for the last few months um there's that information deferential that we just don't know as much as they do sometimes, and that makes it harder to make a case against their decision. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Um, before we move along, I do want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. We've been drinking a lot of Breckenridge beers, uh, a lot of Strawberry Sky, the Avalanche Amber Ale, just so good and it's just been so nice to sit out in the sun and drink those beers um and and hopefully you guys are doing that too because they're really good and also they support us and they're good people and that's why we work with them um you can go to davidson's south of denver if you want to try it uh davidson's beer wine and spirits you can go to king supers you can go to uh I mean, pretty much anywhere, but if you want to know for sure that they're going to have the beer that you want to try wherever it is that you're going, uh, use the beer locator at Breckenridge's website, um, and and it'll tell you what your best options are. I also would like to tell you about our great friends over at MSU Denver Online. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit, but Harrison's taking that class and he's given us his notes, not his notes on, um, the actual class he's taking, but his notes on his overall experience. And what he says he likes is that his professors are focusing on practical information, stuff that they can tell you and you can go out and use in the real world, you know? Sometimes it's fun to sit in a class where the professor is just lecturing and telling you interesting things and you're feeling like you're learning and you're really engaged. But for a lot of people, the point of going to school is getting better at some skills so that you can go make money using that skill that you're developing. And to have a school focus 
on teaching you how to get a job done, whatever that job may be, whether you're accounting or journalism like us or whatever else, they're teaching you how to do something. They're developing those skills. Um, and that's what Harrison says he likes so much about it because it doesn't feel like there's wasted time with information that, you know, you know, I took some econ classes. I was an econ major and they were really based on the history of econ, you know, who came up with this concept? Who um, did he learn it from? Who has argued with it? You know, that kind of stuff. And it's almost like the history of economics. And I'm sure at some level that stuff is good to know, but also it's really good to know how to do economics. And and at the end of the day, that's what matters. And to see MSU Denver online focusing on that is just great, in my opinion. If you want to go check out um, the st- more than 700 different courses you can take, um, the, the more than 40 programs that they have online, all of this online, um, that will get you a degree, go to msudenver.com slash online. Okay, um, so that was uh, kind of some thoughts on everything, but uh, I want to run through just a few more things that Rick George had to say today during this call um he said um here's the quote is the spring on the table probably and that's when we were talking about uh, a potential spring football season because that was a question you know what what are the chances that the fall just doesn't work and he made some good points the the best one being that there is no guarantee that the circumstances are going to be better in the spring and that's why there is this push to get the season done now because there is a very real chance that that will be the best chance um, that the things will be worse. You know, we just don't know. And that's the answer for all of this. You know, is this going to be better by September? Is it going to be better by October? Is it going to be better by, you know, May? We just don't know. And that's why if you have this window where you can play, you, you, you make it as safe as you possibly can. You give yourself the best odds you can to be able to get it all done. And eventually, you, you get to the time where you have to say, okay, we're either doing it now or we're not. And if you decide you're not, you have to remember, you're, it's no guarantee that there's going to be a, a chance to do it in the spring. Um, especially when you think, you know, flu season is in the winter. Um, I, I don't know if there's, there's literature out there that suggests that the coronavirus will do better in the winter versus in the summer. I'm sure it's been studied. Um, but again, there is just no guarantee that that will be better. And I think that that was kind of a core piece of Rick's message, um, that, they really are trying to get this in this fall if they can. Um, and what what really stood out, as is always the case, is that they're doing what they're doing for the student-athletes. They're trying to put the student-athletes in the best position. They're trying to get them the information that they can get them um, so that they, and as Rick George has said repeatedly, as well as their families, this is a family decision, can decide whether it's best for them to... Uh, to, to be involved with the athletics programs this season. Um, he also did say that the athletics department, even if a student athlete says they don't feel comfortable returning to campus, 
CU will still honor their scholarship. Um, so nobody's going to miss out on their education because they decided not to return to campus. That may seem like the obvious thing to do. I mean, it would be a bad look to, to take scholarships away from the student-athletes who aren't participating. But at the same time, times are tough. And a lot of people are, I mean, a lot of people are losing their job. Um, others are getting pay cuts, whatever. But that is a lot of money um, that goes into paying for these student-athletes to go to school. And it was good to hear that they will have the opportunity to continue their education even if they can't make it to campus this year. Um, we talked about this a little bit, but uh, Rick George did talk about um, potentially moving the early non or early conference games up into the beginning of September, or the middle of September, just to give themselves more more time. Uh, he said, uh, "I do know that that is on the table and is being discussed." Um, you know, the, the, he's talked a lot about that flexibility and how by cutting those non conference games. Um, they have provided themselves a little bit more flexibility. You know, again, they want to get the seasons done in the fall so that they can move on to whatever's happening in the spring. They don't have to ruin the whole timeline. Um, but by uh, saying, hey, we now have these three weeks to work with, we can use those as a buffer at the beginning so that uh, if there's an outbreak whenever students arrive on campus, we can dodge that or they can say, hey, the the doctors we're working with and that's what they're doing is working with a whole lot of medical professionals in all these meetings to, I mean, essentially you just don't know again, but they can try to figure out what your best odds are. And now you know that you have these weeks to play with. You did right by the schools that you were supposed to play by getting ahead of it now and saying, here's what's going on. So uh, it's on the table for those games to be moved up. Um, I do have a few more notes before we get into those. Uh, I want to tell you about World Golf Tour. Uh, this week was uh, a pretty fun one. I know Adam Marez, who, who does a whole bunch of Nuggets stuff, as well as a whole bunch of other creative stuff at DMVR, um, he loves the closest to the pin challenges, which was last week's. You know, you... Basically, you play nine holes, but on all those holes, you just take one shot. And your distance from the pin is just added up at the very end. And whoever has the lowest total distance gets uh, the win out of all of the hundreds of DNVR uh, country club members. It's so much fun. Um, there's also other stuff. You know, there's like the penalties. So if you're in the sand, maybe that's an extra 20 feet. If you're in the rough, that's an extra 10 feet. Um, I've never hit one in the hole, so I couldn't tell you if there's like a, a negative effect if you do that. But it is uh, pretty cool. It's it's a lot of fun, and that's just one of the many game modes, one of the many types of tournaments that you can have if you join us um, for that WGT stuff. Um, that World Golf Tour, again, the official gaming partner of DMVR. It's the biggest golf game in the world. It's a lot of fun. Um, and if you go to dmvrgolf.com, you can download it, uh, join one of the DMVR clubhouses, you can play in our competitions. It's 
Super fun. Cannot recommend it enough. All right. Um, a couple more notes before we get out of here. Um, the the big one uh, is the chan- is whether CU will cut a sport. Um, Rick George really wanted to express that that was the last resort, really. That that was something that they don't even want to consider unless things get really ugly for the athletics department. And, uh, you know, that could be the case. And and he did say, you know, the, the line was, is there a chance it could happen? There's always a chance. So, <sighs> there's that. Um, shout to Silverbuff, who did the research and uh so so Colorado has 17 varsity sports you have to have at least 16 to be division 1 so Colorado in theory could cut one sport um because of title 9 i i think that it would have to be a men's sport i i don't quote me on that um because it's it's not just about the number of sports obviously but the scholarships you have there's certain rules that you have to fit into for uh, both of those categories to be able to maintain Division One status and comply with Title Nine, um, but it would be kind of complicated. It's definitely possible. It, um, but I do want to add this, and Silverbuff and I actually had this conversation. Um, but this is a really time for all of the athletics departments, and all of them are likely going to lose money likely in the eight-figure range, and some athletics departments are going to go under, um, and who knows it's going to happen. Um, I'm curious I'm curious about a government bailout, actually. Uh, it's not something I've seen discussed all that much. Um, I've, I've looked into it a little bit, but that's the kind of territory that we're in right now, um, especially because so many athletics departments came into this in debt, and would now need to take out even bigger loans. Um, that's where Colorado is in a good spot. Not coming into this in debt. Being in a good spot financially. Um, having uh, the buyout money coming in for Mel. You know, a, a whole bunch of that kind of stuff is working in CU's favor. But at the same time, if you wind up down $15 million, that's still not a good spot to be in. Even if it's a better spot than most other schools, that's not how it works, you know? It's it's not like sports where there's a scoreboard and as long as you're up near the top, you can be happy with it in terms of how much money you lost. I mean, being on the good side of that, I guess. But uh, you have to be financially viable and the buffs probably could get that loan and we'll dig into some of this stuff. Um, I'm I'm curious if a federal bailout could work. Um, I'm not willing to call for it at this point because I do need to read up a bit before I do that because I'm sure that would be very complicated. But that is the kind of territory that I think we're getting into. And you've seen it with the airline industries, for example, and the cruise lines and that kind of stuff. Well, you know what? College sports are really affected as well. Um, and they are very important to society you know not just because fans like to watch them but because it is an opportunity for these young people to take advantage of their talents um give back their community uh 
it's a chance for them to go into a situation where you get to spend all day with a guy like Carl Durrell, a very good leader, um, a, a very good man by a lot of accounts, and, and learn from him. And, you know, the, that's not to say that everything that happens in college sports is a good thing and all any of that, but there are some very, very positive effects, including providing an opportunity to get an education to young people. Um, and it, it just sucks to see that taken away um, from anybody for whatever reason. And that, that could be the case, you know, because you look at CU football with the 83 scholarships, um, the basketball team, all of the other schools, and then, or, or, and then all the other sports. And then you think around the Pac-12, and then you think of all of the schools in the Power Five, and then you think of all the Group of Five, and the FCS, and then Division Two, and then that there's even more every single year coming in and taking over. It's tough. It's a, uh, it'd be a big loss. And, and again, I, I can't call for like a federal bailout of, of college athletics departments because I just don't know enough, but off the top of my head, those are some thoughts um, because it is a tough time and those sorts of bailouts are going on. But I'll read up on that and we'll talk about that in the next couple of days. There is some fun stuff I want to talk about, some viscous stuff. Um, oh, we're... Having a rematch of the match with Vic Lombardi and Mark Moser from Altitude. Great guys. Uh, they beat us. If you guys didn't watch the first time me and RK played them out at Fossil Trace, it was a great time. It was all just straight up. Uh, in the front nine, we played best ball. So Ryan and our partners, we both just play the hole. Um, we take whichever score is better. And then if our best score is better than their best score, then we win the hole, and that counts as a hole one for us. And uh, if we tie then nothing counts. You just move on to the next hole. Um, and then on the back nine, we flipped it to a, a modified alternate shot, which basically means Ryan and I each hit our tee shot, um, and then we pick which one we want, and then we alternate in from there. So if Ryan hits a great drive, it's in the middle of the fairway, then I'll hit the next shot, and then been like basically hitting his ball, and then he hits that ball afterward, and we just take turns. Um and, and that's how we played the back nine. We were tied with three holes to play. I think we tied it up with four holes to play, tied uh, 15, and then we 16 was a par three. Ryan and I both hit it in the sand. We weren't able to get out and up and down, and uh, they won 16. We both put our tee shots in the water on 17. They won that, and that was it because they're up two with one hole left. Point is, it was a lot of fun, and actually, like, the the numbers at the end turned out to be uh, about 4,000 people watched, which is pretty cool. Um, we're doing that again. Um, it'll be sometime next week. Um, and I'll probably have a date for you tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, again, a lot of fun. Uh, so anything else? I don't think so. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, and I'm sure that people have a lot of opinions, you know, I think we're going to do the college podcast early this week, uh, me and Justin Michael, so that we can kind of talk through the loss of the Rocky Mountain Showdown and what that means and uh, kind of have our little grieving period. It seems like there have been a lot of those. And, and it, 
then I say like, you know, let's just get through all the bad stuff today and tomorrow we can get on to Visca hinting that maybe he's returning, not to spoil tomorrow's uh not returning to see you. Wow, that sounds terrible. That's not allowed. Um but but like returning kicks. But we'll talk about that tomorrow and some other fun stuff tomorrow. Um as long as the world doesn't flare up again and uh hopefully it doesn't. Okay. Uh I'm going to get out of here and I will uh, talk to you then. I think they like my Colorado sway cuz when I'm in it play. Patiently awaiting When I hit the field It's so hard to behave I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd Do the wave Look into my eyes I can tell that you afraid Cause you know we finna hit ya Hit ya Hit ya You on your own now Why you watching the official You just better hope you make it to the next whistle And we ain't playing with you You can get it anytime It started at the scrimmage We gon' win it at the line My Colorado swag in the middle